The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Plum, as always. We are, as I said, the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by Big Blue View and SB Nation. We are the analysis team here for SB Nation's Giants blog, breaking things down, looking at the film, filling you in not on the hard news, but rather roster situations, players, depth chart, all of that amazing stuff. And because we're in the offseason right now, we have done multiple, uh, actually a, a significant amount of position group previews heading into the season, talking about where guys will land, who will be starting, who will be cut, who will be on the practice squad, taking our best guess while also analyzing the more important figures in each position group. If you've missed out on any of the previous shows and you're curious to hear what we thought about those, make sure you go back and listen to them because there is a lot of very important, interesting information within those. Today's episode is going to be the cornerbacks. We decided to move this show up because of the current relevance dealing with Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker. He is expected to or was expected to be the Giants second corner opposite of James Bradbury for the start of the season. That was after DeAndre Baker was arrested and involved in an ongoing court case. We don't want to get too deep in the details of what's going on with that investigation. We don't know what will be the result of it, but the allegations against him are fairly serious to the extent that we could see that DeAndre Baker will not be on the roster at the start of the season or also for the future with the New York Giants. So I don't want to talk too much about those details because as we always say, we are not the the news source here for the podcasts. We are the analysis. So we're going to take the look of rather how does losing DeAndre Baker, which seems to be a strong likelihood with the latest news of implications surrounding the court case, once they lose Baker, where does the rest of this corner group look and who could possibly be that second guy? And it is it very clear cut to say at this point, Chris, that Baker is going to be cut based on what the allegations are in his court case. 
well, obviously we do kind of have to let the legal process play out. You know, we, we don't know what actually happened. We don't know all of the details of the case, uh, all of the things that the investigation has uncovered, but at least what we have learned from the, I believe it was the daily news was able to get a hold of the warrant exposed some of the messages that went back and forth, some CCTV video. It doesn't look good. And I think it, at least for our purposes right now, it's probably just to just best to go forward and put Baker off to the side and more or less assume he won't be there. If he winds out being, winds up being exonerated, uh, this t- case takes another crazy turn because it's 2020. Why not? That's great. But at least for right now, we should probably take a look at the rest of the options and more or less plan for the worst. The easier thing, like you said, in this specific situation is to assume that Baker will not be returning. It's not like it was uh, like what happened with Kyle Laletta, where he got in trouble for evading police for uh, speeding and that which would which was incredibly stupid but he was not going to be in this much of a legal situation over that so we're we're not going to get caught up uh, in the details with this we're just going to assume that Baker is not going to be on the roster we're going to keep monitoring the situation and if Baker somehow manages to find a way out of this he will probably still be a New York Giant but as of right now based on what how things look DeAndre Baker will probably not be with the team for 2020, meaning we should probably shift our focus now to the important guys in this cornerback group. The first player that is of the utmost importance is James Bradbury, the free agent corner who they paid a a relatively big sum to be their number one corner. They got him from Carolina, has that relationship and connection to Dave Gettleman, The deal with James Bradbury, the way that I look at it, is that Bradbury is the perfect guy that the Giants needed to cover number one receivers, top receivers on teams, ex-receivers. He is the guy that they needed to handle those matchups. This corner group is very, very young. A lot of guys that are either rookies, second-year players, or third-year players. That's very, very young. You now add a veteran to the mix that played in a conference that caused him to to match up with Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Michael Thomas twice a season. He was very, very busy in his past few years with Carolina because of those specific matchups. So you're getting a veteran guy. You're getting a guy that has dealt with some serious alpha talent at the receiver position, so he knows exactly what is going to be coming for him and what he's going to have to be facing against some possibly weaker receiving groups um, with some of the teams on the Giants' schedule. I can't say that James Bradbury would be a huge upgrade over Janoris Jenkins, but he should be a solid upgrade. He's a little bit younger. He's a little bit more athletic. He's bigger and longer. He isn't the same kind of freak athlete quarterback that we have seen come out of college in recent years, going back to like Patrick Peterson or even Prince of Mukamara. But Bradbury does a lot of things well. He's a very smart corner. He's got a high football IQ. Uh, He is an above average athlete, if not an elite athlete. He is, he's 
a reliable tackler, if not a punishing tackler. He does a lot of different things well, so he can be reliable in man coverage. He can be reliable in zone coverage, and hopefully he can help with the communication problems that really plagued the Giants secondary last year. What stood out to me for Bradbury and watching what he was able to do as a top corner facing these really good receivers is I see a guy that has the length being six foot one with long arms to play press man, press man against a bunch of taller receivers. He is, I believe right now, at least close to being the tallest corner in this Giants corner group, which is a huge positive. If you have to go against these 6'3", 6'4", guys, you need guys that are over 6'1", with long arms and strong press skills if they are in tight face-up situations with these receivers. But then also when I watched him when he was off coverage and he was not pressed up on these guys. He has very good range. He's got good bursts to close out and prevent any short routes to pick up significant yardage. He can lock that thing down within three to four yards. And I watched him do that against Julio and Michael Thomas. It's not like I was watching him do it against uh, some backup receiver or someone who was just thrown out there for a play. He does it against very good players and very elite athletes. So it's just a testament of what Bradbury's capable of making things very promising for the Giants corner situation that was a huge negative for them last year. Chris, the big question now, obviously with DeAndre Baker not being in the equation, which we're assuming, we now need to decide and conjure up who could be the number two receiver? Who can be the guy playing opposite of James Bradbury on the outside? We've got two guys with slightly varying skill sets, not really conventional paths to becoming a number two corner, that being Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal. Corey Ballantyne's situation is a very, very odd one. Last season, he got the most amount of reps besides Baker out of any rookie corner. And he didn't do all that well. But I think it's it, it's easy to give Ballantyne a hard time for struggling last season without recognizing the things that he was dealing with. The adversity that he handled very well in the very beginning of the offseason and in the preseason, and then being able to come in and play and also injuries that he was dealing with. I believe he also had a concussion at one point. That stuff's not easy to deal with, not to mention the fact that he was a late-round pick from a small division school making an incredible jump to facing off against some really good receivers. I'm not out on Corey Ballantyne yet. I don't think we were just I think we were not able to actually see what Ballantyne was fully capable of. No, and I thinking back, you know, Ballantyne and Baker had honestly pretty similar rookie seasons. And while you don't want to see that kind of season from a first round draft pick, a guy you traded back into the first round to select, getting that from a sixth round cornerback from a small school like that that I th- I think Ballantyne's season was fine yes he struggled in coverage a lot of rookies struggle in coverage even if he continues to struggle and doesn't become a starting corner or even an important backup like a a nickel guy 
even if all he ever is is just a return man, that is honestly fine for me coming out of the sixth round, coming out of a small school like that. I am not ruling out that he could maybe become an important contributor on the defense. He's got good size. He's got good athleticism. He obviously has plenty of grit, we'll say for lack of a better term, maybe uh, competitive toughness to you know fight through the adversity that he did to show up and play and work despite the jump he had to make. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to count him out for this year or going forward. But I think I would probably count on Sam Beal to be the likely number two corner, at least to start the year. Yeah, even though I am still waiting on, not waiting, but hoping for improvements from Corey Ballantyne because of what he was dealing with, having a season where there won't be as many significant adverse issues to face. I still sit with what you're saying, that Sam Beal is going to be the second corner opposite of James Bradbury. And I'm higher on Beal than I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are out on him because they think he is injury prone and he hasn't been able to get on the field very much. And and that's not wrong. He's only played six games and only started three last year. But was he actually fully healthy when he was on the field? Was he fully recovered and at the, the full healthy level of play for Sam Beal? Besides that, though, I, I think that he has what you need in an opposite outside corner. He's also tall like Bradbury. He's also 6'1". He also has long arms. I think a lot of that gives him the biggest heads-up advantage for being that second corner. Yeah, he, do- he does have a lot of physical tools you want to see from an from a outside boundary corner. He's got the length, like you say. He's got really good feet and hips. I don't know that he was entirely healthy. I don't know that we got to see the real Beal to make a terrible pun, but why not? Uh, But I think we do kind of have to see him stay healthy. That I think might be the biggest thing for him. You know, like, like you said, he only played six games last year. He's only played six games since being selected in the supplemental draft. He was, basically placed on injured reserve as almost as soon as the giants took him. So we, I don't know just how much of Beal we have seen. If we have seen the kind of player he is, if we've seen the kind of player he could be, but I also, I think he is going to get the first crack at that number two cornerback job. But I think Ballantyne could be kind of right on his heels. If we don't see that step forward, that growth from Beal to be the kind of player we thought he could be in the supplemental draft. He was really a high potential guy based on why the Giants were willing to invest that draft pick in the supplemental draft to go get him. Now, we haven't been able to see him fully on the field and in a true role as a corner because of some of those injuries not being entirely healthy dealing with a completely missed rookie season, especially the one thing I kind of took away from Beal. And I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this, Chris, is I noticed some of his best plays, if not a significant amount of his best plays came against the run, defending the run, especially that safety. He, he, um, he racked up 
against the Miami Dolphins, if you recall that play. It almost makes me wonder if things don't work out at corner and he's still struggling a little bit, should they consider moving him to safety? Because he's got the size, he's got the tackling ability, he's got the ability to, to defend the run that it might be in the Giants' best interest to try him out at safety. Yeah, I think that's a move coaches should consider a lot more often with corners where maybe you have a veteran corner who you want to keep on the roster, but he can't quite cut it. Uh, try him at safety. Maybe you have a, a younger guy who, for whatever reason, isn't quite picking up the coverage aspect. You know, Try him at safety. You know, I, I do think coaches should try try to find some place where a player can contribute rather than just saying, well, the first thing we tried didn't work, so you're gone. It would be interesting if Beal was really more of a safety than a corner. One of the guys we're going to be talking about next, Grant Haley, I kind of had that feeling about him as well. That almost seems to be kind of a common theme among the cornerbacks the Giants have added recently. They have already transitioned Julian Love from cornerback to safety. So, you know, th- this could be a team that runs a lot of uh, multiple safety packages just because those are the players they have. And if you've tuned into this show enough times, we've talked about how Patrick Graham will be creative in the employment of a number of the personnel players on this roster. So I would not be shocked if they tried to use some of these corners in varying roles, play around with it, see, to, see ways to play up to the strengths of some of these players. Speaking about niche roles, Grant Haley and Darnay Holmes seem to be the two competitors for the slot corner, the nickel corner. Both of them could end up playing in the slot based on various defensive back heavy packages. If you come out and dime and you need a second corner and you want someone else to cover uh, another slot receiver based on how many guys are coming out there for the offense, both of them could be on the field. Now, Grant Haley is the returning slot guy. He is now on his third year in the league. He's done okay. Nothing to really get too high up on. But Darnay Holmes is an interesting player in the equation now because he's been given some pretty high praise from Deion Sanders, who thinks he could be a a significant diamond in the rough for this Giants defense. In general, though, as we've talked about Holmes, he's not the biggest corner. He plays very well against smaller receivers, and he could do very, very well in the slot based on what we saw he was capable of doing at UCLA. Yeah, I would definitely look at him as being in the equation for the slot role. I think Grant Haley will probably get the the cha- the first chance to be the starting slot corner, but I think it that will be much more of an open competition than perhaps the number two outside cornerback job. You know, especially since Haley is he, he is from a previous coaching staff, whereas Darnay Holmes he is he was selected by this coaching staff, or at least this coaching staff kind of signed off on him. You know, he has a reputation as a very smart player. I don't know what his movement skills are like. I didn't like what I saw on tape from him last year, but he was also dealing with an ankle injury early in the season. And yeah, that, that will obviously have an effect. They'll obviously have an impact. I think that will be a very interesting competition to watch this summer because you know nickel is the base package for the NFL and really football in general anymore. 
So whichever one of those guys winds up winning that job, it is basically a starting job. Certainly, it would essentially be who is the third corner on the roster. And again, whoever ends up getting picked as that starting slot nickel corner could very well be in a rotation with the other guy. So we could end up seeing both faces uh, in, in multiple games this season. Now, as far as the backups, there are a lot of them. There are a good handful of players that the Giants acquired in free agency late in the draft and as well as undrafted free agents. That list stands with Montre Hardage, who came over from the Dolphins. Patrick Graham connection there because Graham was the defensive coordinator, obviously, last year with the Dolphins. Chris Williamson, who we outlined and detailed in an earlier episode a few months ago. He was the seventh rounder out of Minnesota. Uh, Malcolm Elmore, an undrafted free agent out of Central Methodist, which is a subdivision one program. Uh, And then Christian Angulo, an undrafted free agent from Hampton. We're going to talk about a little bit on the chances for these guys to actually make the roster. But Chris, if you had to pick one of these guys, which it has to be prefaced with saying, if you look at how rosters are typically structured, you keep eight to 10 defensive backs, meaning you're probably going to keep five to six corners, six, the absolute max. We already headlined five guys that are, makes the most sense to to stick around on this roster. So if there happened to be a sixth player that might actually get in, even if it's just special teams, who would you have to pick? Uh, I would guess either Hardage or Williamson. Uh, Hardage because of his connection with Patrick Graham. Williamson because he was just drafted. I think either one of them fills in well as a special teams player first who might be able to come onto the field as like a nickel player. You know, there's also Rashawn Golden, who I'm not sure if he's going to be, count as either a safety or a corner. Uh, for the purposes of this series, we're kind of counting him counting him as a cornerback, or sorry, as a safety. And you know, we'll be getting to him in a later show. But I think just of this list, probably Hardage or Williamson are probably my two most likely to stick on the main roster. I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Hardage has that connection with Patrick Graham. Graham probably had at least some say in that signing to bring him to this Giants roster. And Williamson being a draft pick gives him a little bit of an edge over these undrafted free agent guys to be maybe a special teamer. I don't really see either of them getting onto the field considering all of the guys that the Giants have, all five of those guys that we talked about that are going to be seeing the field in one way or another, it's going to be an uphill battle for all four of these guys to either make the roster or even get onto the field. We are going to wrap up with what we typically do, which is talking about who is going to get sent home and who will be on the practice squad. Before we hit on that, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Chris, I'm going to keep this really simple. If I were to pick who is going to get cut and sent home after the the final wave of training camp. I would probably cut all four of these guys, Hardage, Williamson, Elmore, and Angulo. 
There's just too many players ahead of them, too many established players ahead of them that have seen snaps either with the Giants or either a veteran like Bradbury or have something significant invested in them. I would be shocked if any of those five guys we talked about in the beginning get cut. These four make the most sense, and it's very unlikely that the Giants will keep a sixth corner. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially because Julian Love could also fill in that cornerback role, uh, particularly a slot corner. But you know, in college at Notre Dame, he was an outside cornerback, and he wasn't a bad one. You know, he made the transition to safety because there was an opening there, and it it could fit his skill set. But he does have coverage chops. He can play corner as well. So if we see maybe 10 defensive backs total, I think maybe seeing like those five corners and then maybe another five safeties or safety corner hybrid players. And I think a lot of these young guys, Hardage, Williamson, Elmore, and Angulo, they might just they might just get caught up in the numbers game. The numbers game is the, the best way to describe this because they're likely going to keep more corner or more safeties than corners based on the guys that they have. And you'll hear us talk about them uh, in our next few shows, the safeties. It's a talented group. There's a lot of invested in them. There's significantly less invested in these four guys. Best bet they all get cut. And if we had to predict practice squad, Williamson is a very strong candidate to make the practice squad because he was drafted. If there happened to be another player, possibly Angulo, because of the athletic upside he brings to the table. Besides that, though, I don't really see any of these other guys being in the equation. It's probably going to be just Williamson. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like I said, Williamson, because of his... Ability to be a, a potential nickel player, you know, maybe down the line or a special teams guy. And then Angulo, just because he has man coverage traits and he has that height, weight, speed combination that coaches just want to be able to work with. So I could see the Giants keeping both of them, maybe for slightly different reasons. You know, with Angulo, they might look at him as a guy maybe to invest in and maybe he becomes something down the line but if we had to limit it to just one i'd probably go with williamson all right that is going to be it for this cornerback preview we have two more positional previews coming up for the uh remainder of of our offseason linebackers and safeties are the final two that we will have Make sure you uh, go rate and subscribe wherever you might be listening to us, folks, and also follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at RaptorMKII. And follow Big Blue View at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. And also head to our website, BigBlueView.com. Stay tuned for our next show this week, where we will do yet again another fun topic uh, surrounding the New York Giants. 